Hello, and welcome to Love in the Time of Everyone, a podcast where we talk about the ways that love has changed over time. Today, our story is about a woman named Doreen. Doreen never really wanted kids. A lot of women don't want kids, of course, so this isn't really crazy. In fact, the decision to remain intentionally child-free is growing more common. According to one study in the Family Journal, the percentage of women aged 15 to 44 who were child-free went from 35.1% in 1976 to 48.6% in 2016. Of course, this might also be related to a shift in which many women are choosing to have children later in life. But even then, in this same time period, the percentage of women aged 40 to 44 who didn't have children went from 10.2% to 14.4%. Anyway, back to Doreen. And back to our story, which hasn't even started yet. Doreen said that even when she was a kid, her parents used to compare her to this one particular childless relative. Well, even when I was very little, my mom and dad would compare me to this one great aunt who never had any kids, never got married. And she just had a big love for animals. And she, I think she even left her money to uh, an animal charity or something. And they always said, oh, Doreen's going to be like that because I was always apparently quite independent. And then as I got bigger, you know, I never really had those maternal feelings. I never really felt like, oh, look, a baby or, oh, my God, I'd love to have kids one day or I, I really like kids. I never had that. There's another reason Doreen isn't sure about kids, though. She sees the way her mom worries about her. Like, so much. I can kind of relate to this. My mom worries about me a lot. My mom is an incredibly thoughtful person, and when it comes to me especially, also an incredibly worried person. When I was a kid, this meant she was just really protective of me. As an adult, it's like she still wants to shield me from anything bad in the world. To the point where, when something bad happens to her, her first instinct is to offer me reassurance. Once my mom got in a car accident and called me from the hospital to let me know, I was in an accident, but I'm fine. Don't worry. How are you? Or when her dog died, she called me and said something like, I just wanted to let you know I'm okay. It's hard, but I I just don't want you to worry. Sometimes it feels like she's so worried about me that she can't focus on her own pain or grief. There's something about loving someone that much that seems really scary. Anyway, Doreen's mom is sort of similar. Whilst I obviously really appreciated that concern, it was also for me more, it just emphasized that, geez, kids, yeah, you just, you just worry about them constantly. Is that worth it? I mean, on top of me already not feeling all that maternal and just viewing kids more as a nuisance than anything, I was like, imagine that just being worried your entire life. Who wants that? Then Doreen grew up, and she fell in love with a man named Bart, and thought, well, I guess we'll have kids. Like, that's what you do, right? You fall in love and get married and have kids? And not to sound like he was pressuring me, not at all. I just was just thinking to myself, like, right, okay, this is just what you do when you have kids, and apparently he wants it. And I saw a lot of my friends started having kids, and... Sometimes I'm a bit of a creepy Facebook stalker and I look at all my primary school classmates and they all had kids, you know, and I was like, right, I might even be a bit late to the party here. So it was just something that I did, (laughs) basically. But then, 
After Doreen and Bart had been together for a few years, and things were going really well, everything changed. He then, in 2012, he proposed to me, and then shortly after he did that, we found out he was sick, which was, like, very unexpected, because he went into hospital with abdominal pain, and he had, like, a hernia in his bowels, so a bit atypical, and then when he got back, when he went back to get, like, his uh, wound and scar checked, they said, well, actually, we have bad news, because we found bowel cancer. And this ended up being a genetic form that ran in his family, but more for people like in their mid-50s would usually get it. He was definitely too young. So, of course, they set out to fight it. They go to this hospital in the Netherlands, where they live, that specializes in cancer research and only takes select patients. Like, they're going to do whatever they can. And they're hopeful. They even get married, and as a wedding present, they get a dog named Toby. So they took him in, but it was just really bad news after bad news. He was himself, like, very headstrong and very, like, go-getter. Yeah, his, his disease was the same. It was just unstoppable. It was about 10 months after Bart's first diagnosis that the doctors said there was nothing they could do. For a while, they were doing palliative care treatments to try to prolong his life, but he felt sick all the time, and eventually he just decided, look, enough is enough. Let's make the best of what we have. After that, it was just uh, making sure he was, well, comfortable and not in pain. But that was really weird, actually, because he didn't feel like, well, he obviously felt sick and he had pain and discomfort, but he didn't feel like he couldn't live anymore. So we still went to um, Argentina for a honeymoon. And then his workmate said, right, what do you want to do in your life, what you've got left? And he said, oh, I'd like to travel again. So they raised a load of money for us and we went to Costa Rica. And this was four months before he passed away. In hindsight, it was like, that was crazy, really. <laughs> we would have known that it was only four months. We would have probably not gone. So it's really a good thing. So we never had any idea. But then sort of like after... New Year's Eve 2013, 2014, he went downhill quite quick. Bart passed away in March 2014, about 20 months after he was first diagnosed. I was worried it would be difficult for Doreen to talk about this, but she said she kind of likes talking about Bart. He didn't mind getting some attention every once in a while, so it makes her glad to know that he's still here in some way. So here's just a little bit more about Bart. Yeah, he was just amazing. He was a very charming guy. He was ridiculously attractive, but not not acting that way, if you know what I mean. Some people can just be really like up their own backside just because they're attractive. But he was a very lovely and generous person, very sporty. And yeah, that were all qualities that were very attractive. Anyway, if I, some random person with a podcast, was so worried it might be hard for Doreen to talk about this, you can imagine how her mother felt. Oh, God, my mom was so worried. My mom's still worried. Like, I sent my mom a picture of the other day, and she was like, do I see sad eyes? I was like, oh, not sad eyes. Come on. You know, she's still, like, constantly looking for signs if I'm if I'm happy or unhappy. And, um, and not too long ago, my mom said, like, when you were kids, obviously I worried about you, but they were all small things, and I could handle those things. But now that you're adults... 
And with having gone through all of this, that is a much bigger worry for her. And she knows she can't do anything about it. Whereas most people would probably say, right, now that you've grown up, you can fend for yourself. All the worries are, are gone. I'm not as worried about you anymore as when you were a kid. Um, yeah, and through all this happening, I think that worries just become more rather than less. Um, she considered Bart her son. So she felt like she's lost a child and she's had one child, another child that's devastated by a situation. Um, yeah, so I was like, no way I'm going to have kids. I'll have another puppy or something like that. <laughs> Doreen had been with Bart for six years. She was only 27, so that was no small portion of her life. She tried to imagine what her life might look like six more years into the future, and she couldn't even do it. Yeah, well, I was like, oh, God, six years is... That just felt like I wouldn't be able to go another six years. I would not be able to imagine where I'd be in six years because I was on my own and just graduated my master's degree but obviously I've not taken not looked for a job yet because I just wanted to be completely available for his care and so I had no job I had no husband and it was just all like oh my god awful and and I became very dramatic about that in a way or I was like I'm never starting a relationship again because chances are this will happen again at some point and you know I thought to myself on the one hand I was like right but you're only 27 so you're bound to find someone and on the other hand I was like no I'll never give my heart to anyone ever again. Once the wound is a little bit less fresh Doreen does start trying to date other people. She does but it's not easy for her or for the people she tries dating. A study in the Journal of Divorce and Remarriage found that people who divorce their spouses tend to remarry more quickly than people whose spouses die. Though part of the reason for this is because people who are widowed tend to be older than people who are getting divorced. And Doreen, of course, lost Bart at an unusually young age. In any case, it's taking time. Yeah, I tried a little bit, but yeah, very unsuccessful. They all had massive issues with the whole dead husband side of things you know you get like oh you've still got pictures up of him that is so weird I was like well I can take away these pictures but that fruit bowl was the first thing we bought for this house um that thing we bought in Costa Rica that so it's not just about pictures it's about memories and experiences like I had this little coffee table and one of the, the legs Toby had like bitten a piece out of. So that was a memory about that situation that involved him. So I was like, I'm not I'm not looking to find someone to replace him. I'm also not looking to find someone to compare him to because that would be unfair on both parties and it would be unfair on me. So for the time being, it was just, oh, well, she has Toby. She's still young. In 2015, Doreen decided to go on a trip. She likes to take the occasional international trip, but she didn't feel like going alone, so she asked her parents. Her dad said, hey, yeah, let's go to Vietnam. We were there. I wanted to go sort of like around the time of my wedding anniversary, which was late August. 
And on the 28th of August, which was the day of the anniversary, we were on a midnight train to um, Sapa in the north of Vietnam. And I was just having this little chat in my head with Bardner. I was like, right, I really have to let you go now because I, I can't live like this. I can't live tied to the past. But I have to I have to just resign to the fact that you're gone and you're not coming back. And um, so then the next morning we get to the hotel and we were going to do a two-day hike in the mountains. And <laughs> in the lobby of the hotel sits a bloke. The bloke is in their hiking group. Doreen's dad starts chatting him up because this guy, Jonathan, is British and Doreen's dad loves all things British. Then he and Doreen start talking too and he seems quite cool. He just lived in Australia for six years and he just seemed interesting. When they get back to the hotel, they end up getting wildly drunk off of rice wine and then, and then Jonathan goes to bed. And Doreen and her dad, who are only staying in hotels for a few nights at a time so they can explore different parts of the country, are off to the next hotel. I was like, right, okay, he's gone. So he went to bed early. I was like, right, okay, fair enough. And then the next morning we chatted a bit more and then we exchanged phone numbers. And I didn't, I couldn't come up with a reason to send him a message other than sending him a message so I was like no I'm not going to do that that's stupid I mean he lives in a different country so it's not worth it but I put a picture up on Facebook of this little group of people and someone else that I met earlier in the during the holiday said hey that's Johnny I know him I met him down in South Vietnam and I was like that's weird because that's like the other end of the country and now we met and you two met and so I was like right there's my reason to text <laughs> he sent me I sent him this picture and I said oh looks like we know the same person and we just started chatting and then he said that coincidentally he was thinking of going to the same place as me and my dad were going so I recommended the hotel we were in and by this time my dad was totally in love with him so he was dead giddy about this not to mention Jonathan's point of view before we met, he was in some temple, Buddhist temple, and he could do a little wish. And she had to put the wish in a bottle. And he wished that he would meet the girl of his dreams on his travels. And there I was. Well. <laughs> Doreen doesn't know she's the girl of Jonathan's dreams yet, exactly. So she thinks a little bit about what to say about Bart. She decides to mention him basically right away. For one, she has pictures of Bart on her social media pages, and if Jonathan looks her up, she figures it's just good to get that explanation out of the way. Second of all, it just kind of comes up, based on the setting that she and Jonathan met in. Bart got cremated, and before I passed away, he said, what will you do with my ashes? And I was like, well, I, can't, I, I don't think you're the type that wants to just stand in the windowsill gathering dust. Um, but I can also not think of one appropriate place where I want to. What's the best place for you? They said, you know what, we were going to travel the world. So I just every time I go to a nice place, I'll take a bit of your ashes and I'll scatter the ashes, just a small amount. Um, so when I was in Sapa, obviously, that was just a stunning place. It was rice fields and small waterfalls. And we went to swim in this little river. And I was like, right, I'm going to do this but it's yeah 
he I knew that he could see what I was doing so I just felt like well I just get it out of the way and then if he doesn't if he's not interested then we'll find out soon enough Jonathan was interested Doreen was interested too in my mind he had potential and I felt straight away that a huge cloud had been lifted off my shoulders like I I just constantly had this massive sense of doom just hanging over me is what it felt like like this big cloud that was just pressing down and before I went to Vietnam I went to grievance counseling but I didn't feel that that was really for me I didn't feel that work worked in any way and then I met Jonathan and we started dating and I felt like right maybe I can have fun again in life maybe I'm not just surviving and maybe I can I can do this again without really getting all to um without getting my hopes up but I felt straight away like right this is someone that I could maybe have a future with and who is interested in me and not just looks at me like oh little old poor Doreen who lost her husband no it's just about me and that was just happened to be a part of my past like you may have an ex so they make plans for Jonathan to visit Doreen and Toby the dog, of course, in the Netherlands, which turns into Jonathan moving in with Doreen and Toby in the Netherlands, partly due to logistics. And it's exciting and good, and they're just having so much fun, and it feels like being alive again. Uh, we went to Iceland on a date, and we went to the UK for a week, and it was all just very nice, and he took me to Spain for my 30th birthday, and then... He had a job in London, so he would be in London during the week. And every weekend he'd fly back to the Netherlands. And I was like, wow, amazing. Yeah. So things are great. By this time, Doreen was 30 and Jonathan was 39. And Doreen said, even though she still felt like a teenager, especially in the throes of this new whirlwind romance, she realized she and Jonathan were not actually teenagers. So she didn't want them to waste each other's time. What do you want in a relationship? I said, I'm quite happy to maybe in the future get married again. If you want children, I'm not too sure if I want them. And I might, I'm I'm leaning towards no. Because um, these are important subjects, aren't they? If you want to have a, well, people break up over these things. Um, and he was like, right, no. He said, I'd like to have kids, but if you don't want them, then I can live with that. And I was like, right, great. So we've got that sorted. Now we can just enjoy ourselves. (laughs) They end up moving to the UK together, happy as ever. And then Doreen just starts thinking. Jonathan is so good with his niece and nephew and with Doreen's niece and nephew. He'd be way good at the parent thing. And I was like, you just make a really good dad. And then I started thinking, why do I not want children? And I started talking with friends and I was like, I just don't like kids. And they were like, yeah, but you, you'd love your own. Because all my friends said, like, I didn't want kids or I didn't, don't like kids, but your own, it's different. And I thought, you know what, that might be the case because I don't know what it's like to have kids. So I might as well like them. And I just looked at him and I thought, you'd make an amazing dad. And, and basically, I just didn't want to take that opportunity away from him. So... They talk about it, and they decide to try to have kids. 
not like track your cycle, take fertility boosting supplements, try to have kids, but just kind of see what happens. This went on for about 18 months with no results. Part of Doreen felt like, huh, maybe we can't have kids. And well, maybe it's not meant to be. But what really bothered her was how many people do have kids on accident and who can't provide their kids with good, happy, healthy lives. And Doreen had gone through this whole very meticulous thought process about whether this was the right decision and had finally made a decision, basically shifting her whole worldview. And now she might not be able to have kids? Very annoying. But I kind of reverted back to my old me, like, oh, well, you know, we can just do whatever the hell we want and we can live like a very comfortable life. So onward they go with their comfortable, adventurous lives. They go on vacation to Tanzania and they're on malaria tablets and they're both feeling super sick. So they stop taking the tablets, which Doreen pointed out is pretty irresponsible considering the pills were supposed to be what was standing between them and getting malaria. Anyway, Jonathan feels better, but Doreen's still sick. She figures she'll be better once they're back in the UK. But we got home and I was still feeling quite awful. So I was like, right, just do a test. And bam, straight away, pregnant. And I was like, I just burst out in tears of joy. I was just, I, I never expected to be so overwhelmed by that feeling, but I was just completely just I just felt so intensely happy and I'd not been this happy before also filled me with instant worry because obviously I've been on malaria tablets I drank so much wine I've been scuba diving all of these things uh things you shouldn't be doing when you're pregnant yeah it was confirmed your worries are straight away and the worries are real But yeah, I was mostly just super happy and Jonathan was just over the moon. Yeah, so happy. With all this happiness also came those maternal instincts that Doreen was so worried she might not have. Yeah, right from when I knew I was pregnant, because people always say, oh, you're going to be your mom. And I always, uh, from when I knew, I, I think I found out at about six or seven weeks. I felt a mum straight away and the first scan we did, I just sobbed. I just cried and cried and cried because I just couldn't believe it. And then apparently the maternal instinct was there and it did kick in. And I've just discovered this side to myself that I never knew I had in me. And that's the amazing thing about it. But yeah, the worry is real, but it's, it's worth it. Doreen likes being a mom so much, she even told me she enjoyed her labor. It wasn't at all like the screaming women yelling at their husbands you see in the movies, she said. It was a really beautiful day. As well, I did feel like, right, if there's people in this world that are sick and in a lot of pain and they can go on and go on and go on just to live that extra day longer, then surely I can take some, well, I wouldn't even call it pain, I can take some discomfort for something this beautiful for my baby being born. So that really kept me going as well. And I just very much enjoyed that day. Neve Lotus was born in February of 2020. Neve is an Irish name because Jonathan is half Irish. Lotus is the national flower of Vietnam where her parents met. Doreen is still anxious. She still is really afraid of losing people, especially, of course, 
Jonathan and Neve. But though it isn't why they picked Neve's middle name, Lotus is also a symbol of rebirth. And for Doreen, that's what becoming a mother has been like. Not just the birth of Neve, but the rebirth of Doreen. She thinks back to that period right after Bart died and can't believe how far she's come and how different things are from right after he passed, when she was trying to imagine her life six years into the future. So Bart passed away the 20, 20th of March, and Neve was born the 9th of February. So we were together for nearly six years, and it was nearly six years uh, when she was born. So I kind of, I kind of feel that that was just meant to be like that. And I've said this to Jonathan and I said to him as well, like, it's not that in any way I feel, I don't feel she's connected to him, but it does feel significant in my life that it feels the beginning of a new uh, era, basically. Yeah. And it really has been. Doreen said she used to be the type of person who wasn't all that impressed to hear what other people's babies could do. Like, oh, cool, your baby rolled over. They're supposed to be able to do that. But now that she has Neve, who's chatty and inquisitive and picky about her food and so, so full of joy, everything is different. And now I'm just like, oh my God, she said, ah, when we were brushing teeth. And I was like, that is so cute. And I made a video and I've watched it a hundred times. And I'm just, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, um, I could have never imagined to be this amazing. It's opened up a whole new life for me, and I, I really enjoy spending time with her and being with her all the time. Um, yeah, it's great. Can recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about how, about seven years ago, Doreen didn't know how to go on, and how now, Her days are filled with laughter and family walks and the type of moments that she wants to record just so she can live them over and over again. I'm so happy for her. And if I, some random person with a podcast, feel this much joy about it, I can only imagine how happy her mom must feel. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Love in the Time of Everyone. A huge thanks to Doreen for spending a long, long time on the phone with me while her baby was sleeping and our recording platform wasn't working properly. In addition to the subject of this show, she's also basically the executive producer and has become a dear friend as well. Thank you to Bridget Thumb, Kathy Rivers, and Gabriella Yadagari at KXCI and to Local Kindergartner for the theme music. You can find the Local Kindergartner EP, Spine, on Bandcamp. If you like the show, please subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell your friends. I leave you with a quote from the filmmaker and writer Miranda July. This is the answer she gave when someone asked her how being a parent changed her. For my whole life, I thought I needed the maximum amount of freedom, but as it turns out, what I really need is to feel free for a limited amount of time and then crawl around on the floor saying, I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you while a very, very cute little boy squeals with glee. Before, it was easy to feel alienated from most people. Now, I feel like I have something sizable in common with nearly every single person in the grocery store. I suppose I'm braver, too. <laughs>